0: Welcome to the Lawyer Life Podcast, where the personal, professional, and political intersect. Each week, we cover a topic to help ourselves and other lawyers navigate our days with a little less stress and ideally a lot more fulfillment. On today's episode, we discuss gender. We're asking ourselves, How can we better come to understand each other's experiences? I'm Mike Anderson.
1: And I'm Darlene Tinelli.
0: Hello, Darlene.
1: Good morning. Happy Friday.
0: Happy Friday to you, the happiest of Fridays (sighs) on this cold January month. Get out of town with this weather. Just get out of town weather.
1: (laughs) At least when there's snow, it's not as bad. Then it's kind of there's a winter wonderland going on.
0: It's hazardous.
1: That's true. I see.
0: And I have to put little shoes on my dog's feet, which, come on. You don't want to start a morning putting boots on a dog.
1: How does she feel about those boots? Uh,
0: she's tolerant. They're not good. If anybody has good dog boots, <laughs> at oh, Mike, Mike on Twitter, let me know. It, <laughs> they One will always fall off on the walk. And so inevitably, I am just watching her paws. For the one to fall off, so we don't lose it forever, because it's four, and they're not you know they're permanent ish well like you know they're not they're reusable, so anyway, Poor I'm see the
1: challenges the challenges that <sighs> she has
0: she's got really bad breath too. We're taking her to the vet next week. <laughs> I'll report back on that. I brushed oh her teeth my. last night. it didn't work, so
1: <laughs> it's bad you could smell it in the other room when oh she oh my is, God yeah. Rosie. Terrible. She can't be sitting near the podcast if that's the situation. She's not, she's down. Is she listening me. right now?
0: No, I wouldn't be able to concentrate if she was anywhere near me. <laughs> okay. That's near dog. Anywho, so uh, we're talking gender today. Nothing that I've spoken about Rosie so far relates to that. But anyway, <laughs> um, we, so, so the Gillette thing has come out. Everybody has seen that. And obviously that uh, has caused, I don't think it's actually that controversial. I think there are just some dum dums who, you know, have, Posted a picture on Twitter that went viral. Uh, I think that generally a lot of folks can get behind the message from Gillette, which is, "Hey men, let's be the best we can be," which I think is a really great message. Um, but and then and then flowing from that, Darlene, you and I have seen some some great articles of late uh, about the female experience in the legal industry. So that's what kind of drove us to talk about this today, correct?
1: Yeah, and when we read the articles, I think that in the lens of this podcast what we're always trying to do is to navigate our days with a little less stress, right? And I think that these mm-hmm. gender issues for, you know, everyone who's dealing with these issues, they're stressful. They add stress. They reduce productivity. They cause distraction. They aren't good for clients, right? All of this stuff. Yeah. So yeah, uh, there have been a few articles this week, in addition to uh, the Gillette ad, which I think now was a couple weeks back. Um, and I think if we if we talk about a few of them, with the goal of trying to figure out, okay, how do we how do we better understand what the experience of other people is. Um, and I think that for women, too, it's useful to know that men, there's a, there are easier ways for them to get entry into this topic, right? Like they can kind of yeah. think through how to be helpful, how to be an ally, as opposed to it becoming sort of entrenched positions about who's right and who's wrong or anything like that.
0: Totally agree. And so we'll, we'll, we'll touch on, I think, a few articles today uh and so just to just to name them off the top we'll put them in the show notes too but there's a a a great article from a a site called dawn.com called what do women lawyers expect from their male colleagues anyway very helpful faq format for especially for well for i think well for men male lawyers to take a look at to see uh you know the answer to that question what what do women lawyers expect from their male counterparts uh there's another great article actually written by uh, a lawyer from learners jacob rw damstra um Uh, And he attended the Learners LLP Women's Symposium and had some great takeaways from that that uh, I'd like to touch on. Um, And then as well, just a shout out to uh, a litigator at uh, Laxo Sullivan, Brianna Needham on Twitter, at Brianna, B-R-E-A-N-N-A underscore Needham, N-E-E-D-H-A-M. She uh, just, if you want to get into this stuff, and she's uh, so generously spending a lot of her time posting articles like this, she's doing the good work. Um, Empathy. Darlene, what do you think about that? Are you going to define that? How does this come into that?
1: (laughs) Well, I'm I'm wondering if you're going to define empathy for us.
0: Well, okay. Or do you want me to? Well, do you want to do it? I would love for you to do it, Darlene. I would love for you to impart your wisdom on this.
1: Well, my wisdom slash Googles (laughs)
0: says. (laughs) One and the same now for everybody. Yes. Yeah.
1: My information, anyway, as we've discussed before. Um, empathy is the capacity to understand or feel what another person is experiencing from within their frame of mm-hmm. reference. That's the best, um, I think, the, the key piece and the, the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes. So I think that, you know, I have similarly found it useful to um, see these articles and think about it from the other perspective. Like, I'm kind of used to walking into a room and being one of the only women. Or like, that's just kind of something I'm very used to doing and I have a way of dealing with that. But, you know, conversely, I, it was interesting to think about walking into rooms that are often only like from the male perspective, like only men yeah. or just a few women. Like it was interesting for me to think about that just as a very simple example. Yeah,
0: And I think, so, and I think we're trying to, we're, we're bringing together, you know, the topic of gender with the with empathy, because ultimately, as we'll get to, hopefully, that's what this all comes down to is is really to actually understand, you know, p- to put ourselves in the shoes of the gender that we are not, uh, that we don't experience being. Um, we need to develop empathy, and the way you do that, at least um, in what we'll walk through today, is by gathering the information about the uh, the. gender you are not uh, and then building a sort of architecture of experience in your brain that you can start to channel uh, experiences through and then uh, perhaps if you have enough information and it's the right information and it's rich enough you can actually get to a point where you might be able to see uh, something from another person's perspective another gender's perspective Uh, and then that can channel uh, action that could help to solve the problem. I love the example, darling, that you brought up about you know being the only woman in a room because one of my clients is a workplace of like 80% women. I often have been uh, the only man in a room. And so uh, on its face, it might be like, oh, well, I understand what that feels like. So it must be the same. It is not the same because uh, I am still a man in that room in the context of the world we live in today. And that comes along with privilege. Uh, and so actually what I need to do is to understand what the experience, uh, the tangible, real experience of what it's like to be the sole woman in a room when we're all lawyers working together. And then only then can I really start to you know come to empathize. And that's why these uh, articles are so helpful, I find.
1: Well, one of the other things too, is that it's not just about the space you're occupying in the room or whatever. Um, it's about that there are often assumptions about it. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think that one of the things that, it would be helpful. And if I, I was listening to you kind of lay out the uh, the idea of building an architecture, I mean, part of my own architecture that I try to always be focused on is just like to treat other people how I would want to be treated. And I think that is like a baseline. And then part of understanding that is to like remove assumptions. So like assuming how I want to be treated is, I guess, a piece of that, right? Like I um, I'm in just already in this conversation, I'm kind of like, well, maybe other people don't want to be treated like how I want to yeah. be treated, <laughs> you know? So this is why it's important to say, I mean, that's, that's just how I was brought up. Is like, you don't know, do something to somebody else that you wouldn't want done to you. Um, so I wouldn't, for example, ask a, a female lawyer that I saw at court, if she was an assistant or a lawyer, right. I would not do that. <laughs> I just, it would not be something I would do, uh, whether I was a man or a woman, um, so that's something that I think, you know, that's an assumption that kind of comes in when people are in the space, right? It's like, you're not just a woman where there are only men, there are also all these assumptions over over and above um, what that might mean about you. Like, do you know what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you the lead counsel? Are you an assistant? Um, you know, that kind of thing. So I don't know what your take on that is. Like, what do you think the assumptions that are made about you are when you're the only man in that in that room?
0: I don't. Th- well, I think I I benefit from so many positive assumptions that are that come along with the fact that, uh, you know, I I am a privileged male. So there's even I was doing some reading earlier this week that you know scientific studies bear out that deeper voices garner a more positive impression from people and that they find a deeper voice to be more uh, based in leadership and more credible and so on. I have a deep voice, so being in a room full of women, I have that privilege. And that's a weird, that's, that's just a small example on top of all the background of like how I probably uh, was more helped by others getting to that room and, and uh, having the experiences I did before that. Like there's so much there that um, the, the, what, what excites me about this topic and, and the idea of building this architecture for empathy uh, means that actually, like you start to to truly see what's actually occurring uh, for all folks in a room, and so the the learner the article by Jacob Damstra learners kind of gets to this. So he so he goes to this you know the all women symposium. So and, and there's a speaker named Danielle Robitaille who's I think is a criminal lawyer, and and his his quote in in the article that he writes is that. The keynote was insightful and thought-provoking in so many ways. She raised itch- issues which as a man I had not considered. These include but are not limited to, which I love in an article, just be a lawyer bud, go for it. <laughs> These include I but are not that. limited to. <laughs> I love it. Uh, that and the list is as follows. Oh, Mike's being a lawyer too. As follows. Uh, so it includes that women are traditionally under or women traditionally underpromote their talents, efforts and accomplishments. Women are more likely to credit their male colleagues for wins and successes. Women are more often voluntold and more likely to volunteer for non-promotable tasks and projects. Women receive non-specific, unhelpful feedback on their work, which limits their ability to grow and improve far more than their colleagues uh, uh, who are fathers. Mothers are encouraged to focus on balancing and prioritizing family and adopt less than full-time working arrangements after having children. So long list there uh, that Jacob put forward. But as he acknowledges, these are issues that he had not considered. So in the, you know, in the framework of treat others how you'd like to be treated, um, you know, Jacob, uh, perhaps I don't want to speak for him, or at least like a a person, a, a male who had not been exposed to these issues, when thinking about how he'd like to be treated is only thinking about his experience. And now as we start to focus on these things and start to understand what it really means to be told to prioritize your family um, over your career or not getting positive or sorry, not getting specific feedback. When we start to really dial into like what the effects of those things are, you can start to see the imbalance and you can start to see how it's not just about how I want to be treated. It's actually about adapting your behavior to uh, ensure that you're not missing um, the things that most people miss when they treat women this way.
1: Well, and men don't get a lot of. I still think men are viewed with a bit of suspicion when they want to devote time to family in an appropriate uh, yeah. way. You know, I, I think that's a um, something that they may not understand that some women might feel like they don't want to have the conversation that they should be always making sacrifices for family. Um, but similarly, women would like to have men be more supported in making those choices because mm-hmm. that would in turn, allow women to make more flexible choices. Like these issues are not Mm -hmm. unconnected, right? Like the reason that a lot of women do make the choice to stay home is because it's so much more socially acceptable and there's a biological imperative, you know, of some level at the beginning anyway. Um, And then it just kind of sticks, you know. Sometimes women stay home for a year and then they've stayed home for a year and the behavior is kind of imprinted, the roles are imprinted. So I think that what, what I speak to friends about and, and see different women experiencing is, you know, what we want is for everyone to have the flexibility to figure out what the right situation for their family is without any gendered Mm -hmm. kind of expectations.
0: Absolutely. You know, and that is, you know, such a great solution to that sort of problem, which if you are, uh. Uh, you know, you you have, I think, such a wonderful advantage of being a woman that's leading uh, Interalia, and you get it, right? Um, uh, like you've had firsthand experience with that. Whereas if you're a man who hasn't had experience in that running uh, a firm, you're far less likely to get to that point of wanting to have such a flexible arrangement because you don't have that, again, that architecture to empathize with your employees that are taking on primary uh, childcare uh, obligations.
1: Well, the other thing too, to think about, and this is something that I, I believe, and I don't know, I don't really hear it, talk to it a lot, but you know, when I support the men on my team who want to be there for paternity leave or want to have flexible uh, times um, in their schedule so they can be responsible for, for different obligations in the home, I'm supporting yeah. their wives with yes. my business model. Like it's another form of supporting women, right? Like it's not all about making the um, making the woman in your workforce uh, feel supported. It's about supporting mm-hmm. like the reality of life, which is that there are often you know mixed gender couples that are trying to navigate these what are generally just difficult. Like it's very hard in those first few years with kids to figure out what yeah. the split is. And to have these sort of gendered expectations, not only applied, but incorporated into business models and things like, you know, like the expectation is, there are these layers of expectation that I try to be aware of first, you know, like the expectation, oh, you know, Mike's not at his desk at five o'clock, that means he's not serious about his work. Well, no, it may mean that he's picking up his child at daycare, and he'll Mm -hmm. email me at six. You know, that's okay. It doesn't you know, that doesn't go to performance. And I think that sometimes that is going to performance, you know, like there's sort of, that's just an assumption. It's not a truth. It's just sort of a, I don't know, is it a habit? Is it a habit of looking at people and making some conclusion about their seriousness about work because of their
0: well, it's like an old legacy structure, right? Yeah. Like it, it used to be that that the only way you could do work was being present in the place. And obviously that's no longer the case, but we still have that.
1: Right. It's like a hangover. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's exactly that. Yeah. And you know, the the funny thing is about all this if there's a if there's a group of people who should be well positioned to solve these complicated issues by gathering all context and information and coming to uh, a good solution, it should be our profession. I mean, the, we are taught in law school and early in our careers when you have a client come in and you sit across, there's a format to a client interview and to gathering information. And it's not, you just don't take the information on its face and go and run with it. You, you dig deep and you ask questions and you come to get your mind around a whole issue. Um, and that's what is required here, I think. And that's what empathy needs is that, you know, folks are open to learning all the information that they need about a person's experience. We don't act react defensively. We don't speak over other people. We don't reject uh, their experience outright. It's about taking in information and then building you know, in this case, architecture to truly empathize, it requires learning detailed facts and asking questions and understanding nuance. And that's what we're good at,
1: right? Yeah. And I think it's sort of taking each situation on its own facts. So it's, that's what, kind of yeah. what you're saying. It's like treating every every lawyer like the client who walks in the door. Like, I think there are baselines, right? Like the equal availability of mat leave and paternity leave or some idea of, you know, um, having a discussion about family leave right top of the career, right at the beginning, assuming it's going to happen. you know, there are ways of leveling the playing field, <clears throat> making sure that these issues aren't so contentious or that one gender doesn't bear them disproportionately. That's all. That's all very important. But then on top of that, I think that there needs to still be room to treat people as individuals because I know some women that I know um they don't really embrace that mantle of motherhood as much as other women do mm-hmm. and that's okay too mm-hmm. you know it's another form of um assumption and discrimination to say oh well you're a woman so you must be very motherly you know that's not always true mm-hmm. there are many men that i have met that are you know extremely committed dads and you know they need to be dealt with on those facts you know <laughs> like the business has to accommodate that or you know i was thinking about promotions for women. Um, just reading one of the other articles was a, that we read was about um, female general counsels and how they select their external yeah. counsel and some of the treatment that they receive. And it just made me realize that, you know, female general counsels might have different issues to be um, addressed within the organization. And the first step is understanding what they're going through and asking them and uh, finding out what like not assuming that just because something has always been this way that they are experiencing it the same way they might not be. So, I don't know, what was your big takeaway? First of all,
0: um, you know, having been a, a general counsel before, uh, that is a male. I never uh, I didn't experience a lot of what the experiences were described in this article, which are like, you know, uh, things like it, email, you know, dear sirs or gentleman and woman and, you know, so so some crappy things like that. Uh, And then some also, uh, you know, being spoken over. Being, you know, sometimes male outside counsel only dealing with the male GC and not the female legal counsel because they just, you know, make an assumption that that person's not qualified, Um, making assumptions about the female GC or in-house counsel, not understanding issues of um, conflict of interest, like these sort of issues. I, I normally, I would say, get great service uh, from outside counsel and have uh, in the past and never experienced somebody who I'm paying money to, uh, <laughs> treat me, uh, as lesser. I, I mean, I, I haven't encountered that all that often. Um, and I think what this goes to is not only on the, like, be a good human side, but also, I guess if that doesn't motivate you enough, if you're a male, uh, outside counsel and you're dealing with GCs and in-house counsel, it's better for your business to, be able to empathize with these people, and if you truly do that, then you will avoid uh, issues like writing "Dear Sirs," even if it's not malicious, um, because you can again actually root yourself in what that experience might feel like for the person who receives that email. And I think once you root yourself in that, and 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 maybe uh, get that perspective, you're more prone to avoid that behavior.
1: It's offensive to get a dear sirs letter, but it's also, I remember when someone told me that I was like, well, I don't want to write dear sirs. So like, what, what do I write? What? They were Like may dams. And I'm like, what? I can't be right. Is that a word?
0: (laughs) Hello, all. What's going on here? Like, what? (laughs) How is this hard? Dear you. (laughs) You're about to send a complex (laughs) legal opinion and you can't figure out just to say hello at the top of it. What's happening? Who are these people?
1: Yeah, I think I'm, that needs to go. When I read that article, I tried to think of whether I'd had any sort of experiences like that. I always had the good fortune to be dealing with really um, kind of open-minded counsel. And when we had an external law firm working with us, I remember being very struck in on the positive side at how much um, energy they invested in networking with female right. in-house counsel and treating them differently. Like I wasn't asked to go golfing. I was you know, there was a different sort of uh, set of events that we were um, invited mm-hmm. to and thoughtful, you know, and I thought that was very good business by the external firms that that we were working with. Um, and obviously a recognition on their part that, that the female in-house counsel are their clients and a, a good portion of them and an increasing portion. So um, I've always thought that that was, it was pretty forward thinking. I mean, that was, that was, a, you know, maybe eight years ago that I started noticing that firms were treating female um, general counsel differently, um, in a positive way. Um, but yeah, I think that the idea of some of the behaviors described in that article, I've definitely seen and heard about. So a uh, very good article. We'll link to that one in the show notes as well. I, I,
0: I would, I would recommend, uh, especially for, uh our male listeners, to give these a read, they're not, they're not you know, they're, they're fairly quick reads. They're very practical. And I, I know for me, they give very detailed experiences that if you really channel, um, you, I, I think that it can drive great and natural change in behavior. Like for example, understanding and, and really reading about what it feels like to be spoken over often in meetings as a woman can drive you as a man to ensure that women have space to express themselves in those settings or understanding uh that again, that would like women get unspecific feedback. If you're in a position where you have associates or you're mentoring somebody, you're an articling principal to a woman, then that can drive you to give more direct and productive feedback to help uh, to help that person's career path. Like these things can only assist you, uh, I think. Make a better situation for uh, the the people you're working with, but yourself as well.
1: Yes, and then the other thing I was going to say is the um, the productivity back to that that idea of like assuming. So one thing that I've definitely experienced, and I've experienced it as a person doing sort of more innovative things, but also I think there's a gendered element to it. So I'm just going to raise it um, as a point to ponder. I do think that we have to consider. You know what goes into our assumptions about the person that we're mm-hmm. about to start a conversation with or a negotiation or whatever, like do we assume they know what they're doing, or do we assume they don't and if we don't, why not? Is it gendered mm-hmm. is it age based um, mm-hmm. is it for any other reason unconnected to legal skill? Um, you know I think it's good just to be aware of those assumptions because i I do feel that sometimes when you are um kind of going into a situation, I have definitely experienced that. I kind of have to prove that I know what I'm talking about as yeah. opposed to that just being an assumption. Right. And I think that that's a form of privilege like a, and one that we can, by becoming aware of it, just kind of, you know, give, decide if it's based on facts or assumptions, I guess, is what I'm trying to say.
0: Totally. And, and not only is that the right thing to do, but it will probably position you better, um, in your job as well, practically speaking, because if you underestimate somebody, it's likely that they're actually way better than you think. And then you're, you're ill positioned in the negotiation or whatever you're
1: up to. Back to assessing the facts, (laughs) getting the right information out in the interview. Um, There's a very good blog Mm -hmm. post on that too, which we will link as well, um, which is by Aaron Cowling. And it's about sort of the, uh, the productivity cost of having to be distracted by this constant, um, Need to be explaining that you know what you're doing and then jumping into it. Uh, very good post, and I, I definitely, um, I think a lot of people will relate to it. Maybe on both sides, right? Like I think it's sort of there. There, we've probably all done it, maybe to a junior lawyer or something. Um, it's not just a gendered issue, but anyway, it's mm. a it's a good one.
0: Okay, well, this I, I this has been lovely. I enjoyed this conversation. I think we'll continue it.
1: I think so too. I think this is. Um, we always try to just kind of introduce topics that are maybe, I don't know, one of my frustrations is sometimes these topics just kind of start with an articulation of the problem and then Mm -hmm. we don't really talk about the solutions, but I think they're very solvable. I really do. I think um, just understanding a little bit more about everyone else's feelings in the situation um, and not making assumptions is, is step one. And then, you know, the second step is, you know, not assuming that everything you've always done is right, because you've always done it. <laughs> like mm-hmm. being open to listening and um, coming up with a different approach is good. And I do see positive moves in our profession all the time on that front, I really do. Mm-hmm. And you know, some of the stuff like you don't even notice how much how much the layering of, of social conditioning goes into it. And I'll leave with a funny non-law example that uh, <laughs> I i don't know if other people will appreciate, but I sure thought it was funny. Um, I'm reading a uh, a book to my son, and it is a book about Batman, uh, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Where is she? That's my Batman <laughs> Yes, Batman and Superman boys. Um Anyway, the interesting thing is we read the whole book, and I think nothing of it. I'm familiar with these three superheroes, have been since I was a child. And my four year old son, he says, I have one question at the end of the book where there's a picture of the three of them standing together. And he says, How come Wonder Woman's not wearing any clothes? (laughs) Great question. (laughs) And I'm like, That is a truly excellent question because everything about the book leads me to believe it's cold outside. And this kid has been taught (laughs) that, you know, when you go outside, you would maybe be like Superman have a cape, a full outfit.
0: layered in Kevlar like Batman. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Meanwhile, there's Wonder Woman like flying around in the atmosphere with no clothes on. And I just thought, yeah, he hasn't learned yet that there is sort of a distinction on that point. You know, I'm not going to comment on it further. I just thought it was interesting that that it's kind of a gendered point, like we're sort of used to seeing women in uh, non-warm clothes, (laughs) for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. Um, And he doesn't know about that yet. You know, he's just too little. So that was one example. And I thought a funny one leading up to the gender podcast. But uh, yeah, to be continued on this conversation. Well, because-
0: it seems like he was he was being empathetic of like, I have been cold before this. Is- <laughs> she looks cold. How does she not be cold?
1: <laughs> yeah. neither, neither he nor his sister is allowed to go outside wearing only a bodysuit. So <laughs> he thinks okay. this is a very odd thing. Okay. Um, and you know, from his perspective, not really gendered, purely related right. to the Superman and Batman costumes. But anyway, there are so many layers to this stuff. So I think we will come up with a whole bunch of different angles. We will always try to bring in different perspectives and uh yeah just try to improve this one one podcast at a time <laughs> one
0: podcast <laughs> at a time okay uh we'll go to uh an a uh, break and can be back with our goods The Lawyer Life Podcast is brought to you by Interalia Law, experienced legal counsel when and where you need us. To learn more about Interalia, visit the website at spelled I N T E R A L I A law.com. Thank you. And we are back with our goods. Goods are things we want to support and promote. Darlene.
1: Why don't you go first? You're always, uh, yeah, you go first. Since you raised the Marie Kondo, uh, I have been seeing her everywhere. Everywhere.
0: Uh, Thrift stores are seeing a drastic increase in donations this year uh, compared to last, and they think it's because of the show.
1: Wow. With people decluttering. Yep. The
0: key is to not reclutter people. You know, yes. Yeah. because then you're just then it's just more consumerism and waste. Uh, anyway, I have a good uh, that's music related. Um, wonderful Canadian band, a band I love called Pop, uh, is about to release a new album. And uh, I think a wonderful promotional bit, but also just fun for their fans. So they haven't released the full album yet. Uh, but on Twitter, they released the structure of one of their songs that's unreleased. So no one's heard it. Uh, and it's basically the chords and the lyrics and the structure of the song. And they're encouraging all the fans to record a version themselves uh, and send it to the band. And then they're going to post some and see. And it'll be so I, I'm really excited to see how different all the songs are, even though they're all based in the, the, same, you know, in the same foundation. So I thought it was super neat. Um, and they're a great band to support. Very good.
1: OK, that's a good one. I feel like there are so many goods. This weekend, I was reading a popular fiction book. I'm, I read, <laughs> I'm ashamed to say that I sort of read it uh, very, very quickly. Maybe should have not been staying up late reading a, a book. But um, anyway, it, it's the latest one in the Cormoran Strike series. Do you know this series? It's Robert oh. Galbraith, which is actually J.K. Rowling. It's her oh. uh, book series for adults. And she had originally written it under a pseudonym. And if anyone hasn't read it, I think it's very good, especially if you were a fan of Harry Potter. Um, Harry Potter? Harry? Who's not a fan, really, of that? You know, with, with the Robert Galbraith series, she was trying to get out there and not have her name attached to it and see if she could be successful. And uh, there's a whole backstory to that. People, She's doubted, right? Yeah. People very like quickly figured out that it was her, there was a leak or something. Um, but it is, it's is—it's good that it's her. It's, it's nice to read it in that lens because it's so different um, from Harry Potter. But a lot of the stuff like plot complexity and uh, a very, very long plot arc over a bunch of different books is, is all in there. So I love a good mystery. You know, There's a lot to think about. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world right now. I'm trying not to read the news. Yeah and uh, get outraged because it's not good for my zen demeanor.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I, uh, I chose to read popular fiction, and I highly recommend it.
0: On that note, just about pleasant stuff that is nice right now, um, Shit's Creek. Uh, is getting a huge uh, play. I know it's so Canadian to bring it up only when the US starts to pay attention, uh, but nominated for Critics' Choice Award. Great Canadian production. And I have friends that uh, work on that show back in my MCB days. I was, uh, you know, two desks away from Dan Levy. So uh, it's so neat to see how well he's doing and how well the show is doing. And that is an ultimate, pleasant, fun escape uh, as well. So highly recommend. We all need that. We do.
1: I think it's uh, there's so much pressure to be constantly working, as we discussed on last week's episode, in the millennial burnout. And I think all lawyers relate to this pressure, constantly working. And as an entrepreneur, you know it's very hard to turn it off because you could you could literally always be doing more to improve your business. But I think that in that downtime, there's just such there's just power in, you know, doing something for yourself every now and again. And literally, Go
0: watch a nice show. Yeah,
1: literally no one knows from me reading Harry Potter, Harry Potter. for adults. <laughs> but I had a good time. It was a nice break.
0: Nice. Okay. Uh, well, thanks for the chat. Uh, I guess we will talk soon. Talk soon. That's it for this week's episode of LLP. Thanks to Inter Alia Law for presenting the podcast and to Nick Fowler for composing and performing our music. See our show notes for his website. Don't forget, we love feedback. Please comment in the review section or subscribe or like. We'd appreciate it greatly. That's it. Talk soon.